Chandrakant, uh, we're we're getting uh, back. Sorry about that. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. Some glitch happened there. Anyway, so I was saying that I love to share my testimony, but more than my testimony, it is uh, a testimony of what God has done. And it's not just my testimony, but uh, uh, what uh, it is uh, my and my wife's testimony who passed away last year. But uh, our story is our story, what God has done in our life. So to begin with, I came to, I come from a Hindu background, a Hindu Brahmin background, a very conservative uh, background. And I was doing my engineering in my third year when I had an encounter with God. How that happened, let me just briefly share with you. Uh, when, when I went to college in 1975, uh, there were no Christians in, there were no Christian group or anything. But uh, one of my friends, he was a believer. And we used to talk about anything under the sun and uh, also talk about religion and our beliefs. Uh, I was brought up in a Hindu background and I was uh, in a very uh, in intellectual atmosphere at my home. And uh, by the time I was 12, I had read all the Hindu scriptures and I was very convert, well conversed with the whole Hindu philosophy. And uh, but when I, uh, and also I was uh, very proud of that. And, uh, you know, uh, you could not convince me of anything. Uh, because I always had a counter-argument for that. But uh, this friend of mine, when he used to talk about God, he used to talk about as if he had a relationship with God. And uh, in our understanding, uh, God is a power, you know, and uh, he's the, in what we call the sukshma tattva of all creation, which means, if I explain it scientifically, that all matter is made up of atoms, and atoms are made up of subatomic particles, which are basically quantums of energy. So everything you see around you is a manifestation of that same energy. And that energy is what we understood as God. But when this guy talked about God, he talked about as if he had a personal relationship with God. And uh, over time, that began to trouble me. So when I was in my third year, one day I went out into the desert. Our college was at the edge of a desert. And I walked out and I just kept walking and talking. And I said that if there is a God who has a personal relationship with human beings, I want to talk to that God. And I kept talking for about half an hour. At the end of which I just felt, I did not hear a voice or see anything, but it was as if it was uh, imprinted on my brain that it's all right, my son, I accept you. And at that moment, deep in my heart, there was a, con a conviction was planted that there is a God who is a personal God. I didn't know about Jesus at that time. I had never read the Bible. Uh, but I came back. I came back to my friend's place, uh, room, and uh, I was telling him the experience I had gone through. He didn't hear a word of what I said. Later on, he told me that he was just looking at my face, that there was a light shining in my face. I was not aware of it. But that, from that moment on, my life changed. Then my friend went into a crisis because he could not deny my experience and the change that had come in my life. But because he was a believer, he, was, he went into a crisis of faith where, uh, because the Bible said that I am the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus said that no man cometh to the Father except through me. So he could not reconcile the two. 
anyway, this went on for some time. And about two months later, one day, I just uh, locked myself in my room. Uh, for two days, I didn't come out. I didn't eat anything. I didn't drink anything. I didn't know how to pray. I just kept asking. But I believe that there was a God now that who was a, a person. And uh, I just said that, Lord, uh, God, reveal yourself to me. On the end of, uh, end of the second day, second uh, day evening, I saw this vision where I saw this a man being crucified. And they were hammering these huge nails in his hand. And when this hammer would fall, the sound would reverberate in my head and I would feel a sharp pain in my hands. And I said a voice, I heard a voice saying that if there was any other way, I would not have sent my son to die like this or suffer like this. Well, I was asking God to reveal yourself to me and this is what God revealed. So I had no choice but to accept it. I still had a lot of questions, but I had no choice because that is what God had revealed himself to me. So I gave my heart to Jesus at that time, even though I did not know anything about him. And I just said that I will go where you want me to go and do what you want me to do. And there began our journey. Well, within uh, six months, uh, in the college itself, from the two of us, our number grew to 20. Within six months. Amazing. God would lead us. We would go to some person, speak to him, and the spirit would move, and he would believe. And that group is still continuing there in Pilani after uh, almost 30 years now, for uh, 40 years now, the group is still continuing. Praise the Lord. That is uh, one thing that the Lord showed that what He begins, He continues. His work continues. Anyhow, from there, the Lord led us through a series of leadings. Uh, we won't have the time to go into the details of that, maybe some other time. But he brought us to this place, which is in the in central India, in Madhya Pradesh, a very backward rural area. Uh, just to give you an impression of where we came, uh, my friend Bert and I, when we first time we came, we had we had to get off a train and get onto a bus travel to about 100 kilometers to this place. So the train reached the station at around 4 o'clock in the morning. And we got out of the station and there was a bus standing outside. And it was dark. So we uh, that was the bus we were supposed to catch. We got into the bus, we got our seats. And uh, by the time it became daylight, around 6 o'clock, uh, you know, there were captions written on the bus, slogans and captions like, do not smoke, don't travel without ticket. And one of the captions in that bus was, please do not sit in the bus with a loaded gun. So my friend Bert and I looked at each other and said, what, what is this? Where have we done it? And by the time the bus filled in, we looked around. There were at least 15 guns in that bus people sitting with at least 15 guns in that bus. So, and we came into a very violent land. It was like the Wild West. Very, very, very violent land. Well, that's where we, the Lord brought us. And uh, so that was in uh, 1980, we stepped into this land immediately after finishing our college. And uh, I got married in 1982. My wife moved in here with me. By 1984, in the beginning, we there was a group of us who came. But by 1984, everybody left. And we were here, my wife and I, and uh, we had no support. 
We were not a part of any church. We were not a part of any mission. And all our friends also uh, left us. And we were all alone in this place. Just the two of us. And so we kept asking now, okay, now what? Lord, you have called us here. What do you want us to do? And uh, at that time, the picture came that, you know, you are, you are in a dark place, very dark area and darkness all around. And you are given a torch. The light of the torch reveals the path up to a certain distance. You can't see the whole path. You can't see where you are, where you, uh, the, the end of that path is, but you can see only a small part of that path. But the interesting thing was that as you walk, the, the torch, uh, light of the torch goes ahead. And as you walk, more and more of the path is revealed. And many years later, when you turn back, oh, you see, oh my God, where have I come? But you could never have, I, we could never have seen where we, are, we reached if we had a, 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 at the beginning. So we only had this little bit of light. And that has been a pattern right through. That every day we would ask the Lord, Lord, what do you want us to do? Even today, I'm still asking the same question. There were no uh, plans or there were no projects or nothing. Just seeking the Lord what you want us to do. Well, one of the first experiences that we had was a very difficult experience at, uh, because we had no finances. Uh, when I became a Christian, uh, my family rejected me. The friends and all thought I had gone mad, you know. But uh, so, and by '84, we had two of our children were born. My eldest daughter, uh, son, Ashish and Swati. Ashish was born in 83 and Swati was born in 84. And we had these two children and we had no money, no food to eat. And often there were, those were very difficult times. And we would cry out to the Lord, Lord, what do you want us to do? Help us. Because the problem was that both of us were overqualified for this area. There were no jobs for us in this area. This was in the middle of a jungle, a very backward and rural area. Uh, I was an engineer. My wife was also highly qualified. She was. She had done her MA English and she has also done her BSc nursing after that because God had called her there. So we had no jobs, nothing, and we, would, we were struggling to somehow survive. And every time we would pray, we would get only one answer. We would pray, Lord, you, we believed when you, that you have called us here. And you said that, do not worry about what you will wear, what you will eat, where you will live. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. So, Lord, what do you want us to do? But no answer would come. And the only answer I would get is that man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word which comes from the mouth of God. So the question before us was that either we were wrong in believing that God had called us here, or we had to admit that, okay, God had called us here, but it is too tough, we cannot... We cannot do what God has called us to do because we can't take this hardship. So we struggled with that, struggled, struggled. And it's not for one year, two years. It went on for four years. And 
one day i just said to the lord okay lord you have called us here i believe you have called us here and i will stay continue to stay here even if i starve my children starve unless you say that your work here is done and it was very surprising that that evening this morning i said this to the lord that very evening my wife and i was sitting outside and she said you know i told the lord that whatever happens i'm here because he has called us here as long as he says that you have to be here i was very surprised and shocked because uh, i had not shared this with her and when she said this uh, i looked at her and said that you know i said the same thing to the lord this morning the next morning as i was praying this word from isaiah i think it is uh, uh, from isaiah um, 51 where the lord said that you have drunk from the cup which makes strong men stagger but i promise that you will not drink from this cup ever again and my friends believe me that day to this day our table has never been empty i don't know how from where god provided i didn't realize this immediately about two months later suddenly i looked back and i remembered that day when god had said this and i realized that from that day onwards somehow or the other there was food on the table and i was very surprised and i asked the lord lord why did you make us suffer for such a long time i mean you could have done this any time but why uh, uh, why make us go through this hardship and uh, and that time the lord said one thing you know he took me back throughout this time i must have spoken to people right across the social spectrum businessmen people who are in service doing job politicians industrialist but right across the spectrum when i asked the question when i raised up the issue of truth and justice there was a common answer right through that we cannot afford to get involved i've got my job to look after i've got my business to look after i've got my family to look after and the lord said that right from the time you were born what your parents taught you what your parents taught you what you saw in the society around you everything reinforced this one thing that to survive in this world you have to earn money without money you cannot survive and that had become that had become a chain of bondage a very strong chain of bondage in your mind and it took me 4 years to break that now that was a revelation and that was also with that came freedom because that moment i realized and i made a commitment that my work is only for the lord my work is not for sale and that was what actually freed me to be able to do what god wants me to do to carry on the story forward as i we asked the lord okay lord now what do you want us to do here you have called us here and we are, okay we are seeking your kingdom we want your kingdom us to do at that time uh the lord said love your neighbor so i asked the lord uh, like the lawyer in the in the new testament 
asked the Lord, I asked the same question to the Lord that who is my neighbor? Is the person living next to me? Or who, who is my neighbor? And then the Lord tells this lawyer the parable of the Good Samaritan. Everybody, uh, I don't need to repeat that. I'm sure everybody knows the parable of the Good Samaritan. So after uh, narrating the parable, the Lord turns around and asks this man, that who was the good neighbor? Now anybody you ask, when you tell that story of the Good Samaritan, everybody you ask, everybody is going to say that obviously the Samaritan was the good neighbor. But the question was, who is my neighbor? So I was a bit puzzled and as I pondered on that, the Lord revealed that, you know, as neighbors, there are two parties. So one of the parties was of all the people who were passing by, the Pharisees and the other rich man or Samaritan, those were, that was one party. The other party was the person who was lying on the ground, beaten up and robbed, the victim. So in that, the Lord had answered the question that who is your neighbor? The person who is the victim of this whole system of this world. And when I looked around at who my neighbor was, I saw this vast multitude. And I didn't know what to do. One of the things that I had asked the Lord early on, when I came to know the Lord, that Father, you have given me tremendous joy, tremendous peace. But as, you, as a son who loves you, I would like to know what grieves your heart. So that is a question which I would like to warn people that do not ask that question lightly because when the Lord took that question seriously and when he showed me what grieved his heart, I could not handle it. But during this time, we had no support. You know, years would pass by when we would long to talk to somebody who believed in the same. If anything happened to us here, nobody would even know about it. We had only the word of God and our faith and God led us. And during that time, the Lord opened up the book of Isaiah to me. And the verse which we came here with was Luke 4.18, which is taken from Isaiah 61, when the Lord opened the um, scripture to Isaiah and read that, that the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to preach good news to the poor, to give freedom, proclaim freedom for the oppressed, to give sight to the blind, to bind the brokenhearted, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And at that time, also from Isaiah 58, where he says that true fasting is this, that you break the yokes of oppression in your land, oppression and injustice in your land. At that moment, the Lord, we saw terrible oppression in this land. You know, I'll just share one instance with you. And, uh, you know, in, we have a, a village uh, government in India, which are called panchayats, where the village elects its own uh, uh, a village body, which, uh, which governs the village. And the head of that uh, is called the Sarpanch. Now, in, in Madhya Pradesh, is one of the states in India where in the villages, uh, 
50% of the panchayats are reserved for women. And out of that, 22.5% are reserved for untouchable women from, who are known as scheduled caste. Maybe some other time I would like to share about what the caste system is later. But right now, there is, uh, I don't have the time to do that. But anyway, so this there was this one panchayat about uh, 12 kilometers from where we, we used to live. And uh, the woman who was elected were, belonged to an untouchable caste. So there was a very powerful family of the ruling class which was there. And they would get this woman to do whatever they wanted to do, to get, to, get her to sign on whatever paper they wanted to, her to sign. One day this woman refused to sign. And uh, so this uh, person sent his wounds. They burnt up her house, beat her for her husband and son, paraded that woman naked throughout the village, terrorized them so much that they had to leave their village and take shelter in some relative's place. When we came to know of it, my spirit was feared. I, I could not accept, you know, we are living in a place where in our neighborhood such things are happening. So what is the point? And I asked the Lord, and the Lord seemed to say, and this is why I brought you here. I said, Lord, what can I do? That's when this verse from Isaiah 58 spoke and said that true fasting is this, that you break the yokes of oppression and injustice in your land. I said, Lord, but I... We have no power. We have no money. We have nothing. We don't know anybody. What do you expect us to do? But the spirit prompted and that this is something you have to get involved with. Anyway, my wife and I went and met this, these people, got their whole story. And I wrote about it. I wrote a letter to the police superintendent, to the police commissioner, to the chief minister. I wrote about seven, eight letters and posted them. As a result, because what was happening was that the police was not even lodging a report because they were all in connivance with these people who were ruled, the ruling people. Anyway, so uh, because of the letters we wrote, the Lord gave favor and the report was lodged. But the report was lodged only against those people who were sent, you know, not against the main culprits, but the goons who were sent to do the dirty work. So I remember that morning, this man comes in the morning around 11.30 and he says that there is no God. A very deep, in deep, deep despair. So I said, what happened? So he said that the main culprit is still roaming free and still terrorizing only the wounds who were sent there been arrested. Or not even arrested, only a complaint has been filed against them. Uh, I couldn't do anything. I went into my room around 2.30 in the afternoon and I just went down on my knees and I said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And the Lord said, just do what you have done, what you have, could do. That is what I wanted you to do. Now leave the rest to me. And I got up from prayer and 4 o'clock this man comes back and with a very different expression on his face. The first thing he says to me, there is a God. I said, what happened? Apparently, that man, the main person who was there, he was a lawyer. He was having food in some uh, roadside uh, restaurant. He, after having food, he got onto his scooter. Uh, as he came onto the highway, a truck came from behind and smashed him. 
Well, that was the beginning of our journey. And throughout the decade of 90s, we must have dealt with more than 500 cases. And then the Lord said, I want you to get involved in politics. Lord, what do you what what am I going to do in politics? I don't have any people here. I don't have no who is going to listen to me. But at that time, by then the Lord had revealed the whole the the evil of the caste system which was prevalent in this place and the terrible oppression. So people would with impunity rape, murder, loot, and the administration and the police would not do anything. And then the Lord said to get involved in this. And he actually the Lord revealed the whole structure of the caste system because, you know, I come from a Brahmin background, even though I am an Indian. And uh, this is true of most Indians that uh, uh, they do not understand, even Indians do not understand the reality of the caste system. Because coming from a Brahmin background, I went to a school where all my friends were Brahmins and high caste people. Uh, in college, all my uh, the people who were with me were high caste people. My father's friends were all belonging to the high caste. So we never had any interaction with the other groups, other community of people. You know, so we did not really understand. We only understood what we were told, and that was. A convenient lie, and he, any uh, this uh, during this time the Lord revealed that uh, the caste system and asked me to get involved with that. Anyway, we got involved. We had no money, no power, nothing, and uh, you know we would go in the middle of the night. Uh, to three of us, two or three of us would go to a village uh, around 10, 11 o'clock at night. We could not do it in daytime with a, with a lantern and a, a roller board, a black roller board and a chalk and duster and gather about 10, 15 people in a, in a room and talk to them for about an hour and a half explaining the whole caste system to them. Because our lives were in danger. And we did not, we really did not know where we were going, but we just kept going one step by one step. And then, uh, 1996, the Lord said, we want, I want you to fight this election. So the election for the Lok Sabha constituency of this place. And, uh, well, we had no hope of winning. But anyway, we said, okay, Lord, if you want me to get involved, I get involved. Our candidate was a person who was who had been jailed on a false charge of murder. And are opposing us in that election were two ex-chief ministers of Madhya Pradesh from two major, the big parties of Congress, it was Arjun Singh and from BJP, it was Sakleja, who was, both were ex-chief ministers. And they spent crores and crores of rupees. We had nothing. Our total expense of the whole Lok Sabha election was uh, about 400,000, which that too, we would go to people and ask them for you know, you give me one rupee and one vote. <laughs> That's what we would do, say. Anyway, the amazing thing was that the Lord gave us victory. We won that election. And with the winning of that election, the whole the socio-political socio scenario of this whole place changed. And in those 10 years, the yokes of oppression and injustice were broken. But today, that kind of oppression is not possible in this land. 
Well, that was uh, the end of nineties, uh, and uh, on December thirty first, nineteen ninety nine, at twelve o'clock, oh, as the century turned, we were attacked, beaten up. We continued, and after that, the Lord said. to move out of politics because there was many reasons but definitely felt the lord saying that move out of politics it's your work in politics is done so now what that was a time of great depression for me because the problem was that the very injustices and oppression that we were fighting against the people who came to power even though the balance of power changed that till from 1945 to 1996 no one other than the high caste people had won the election and from 1996 till today no high caste person has won that election and only people from the lower caste have won that election from 1996 from that day to this day So the whole power structure changed. That was done. But at the same time, we saw that the very people who had come to power, they were more corrupt. They were equally corrupt and oppressive over their own people. So when I turned to the Lord, the Lord said, "It is true." because salvation and justice and salvation is not going to come through politics and power and that was a period of deep depression for me but my heart was that i was seeking the kingdom of god the lord how is your presence going to manifest itself in changing the face of this country the changing the people of this land now uh, let me just digress a bit because what i want to share with you is that i had come to the knowledge of god that there is a god and god had revealed himself in the person of jesus but i did not really understand the work that jesus had done and the reason for that was that i did not understand the reality of sin because in my understanding the where i was coming from in the hindu mindset uh, sin as a, we don't have a very clear understanding of sin it is something uh, something you do you do good or you do bad you do uh, you know it's limited to that but sin in terms of a personal relationship with god and relating to that that concept was not there so i read the bible i understood some of the things of the bible understood that jesus had come and forgiven our sins but i did not understand what sin was so i truly could not understand the work that jesus had done and in this time i came to a point where i sacrificed my life my career everything and followed god god said go i went left everything my family my career everything came to this place and god god asked us to get involved in situations where the whole administration the police force the all the powerful people of the land were standing against us but as we stood with god you know it, it, it was literally the story of david and goliath we experienced that but 
at the same time, this concept that Adam and Eve had sinned and that we were born in sin, that I could not relate to. So I went through a period, the Lord took me to a very dark period, a very a period of great depression. And it was during that time that, you know, when I was questioning that, okay, what, what is this? Where am I? And I really felt that, you know, my life, had, I had really made a terrible mess of my life. But one thing was there that the belief that God is there was there. And during that time, I was ex the, the darkness of my own heart was exposed to me. And that darkness was not in my control. That is when the reality of sin hit me. And that is when I truly began to understand the work which Jesus had done on the cross. And that I was able to walk with God because of Jesus. Because of what Jesus had done. So we continued and for years we talked to people about God. We shared with people about Christ. But no fruit. People would come some of sometimes some people would come join us and every Sunday we met for prayer and we would read the word and meet for prayers. So people would come, but nobody would make any commitment. It was in 2014 that the first family came to the Lord. This family we had been ministering to for more than 30 years. But they made a commitment to the Lord in 2014. And from then, it was as if a gate was open. And in the last five years, more than 30 families have come to the Lord. We have experienced healing. We have experienced deliverances. People have been delivered from evil spirits. And Amazing things we have seen and more than 30 families today have come to the Lord. And in before, at 2014, I was at a place, you know, where I would feel that I'm standing against this massive rock, of, uh, a wall of rock. And I'm standing on a ledge. I can't go forward. I can't go backward. I can't go back. I didn't know what to do. It was very frustrating. And we struggled and we prayed and we cried out. Then, a few years back, we had decided to organize a three-day camp, teaching camp for local people. And we were praying and fasting for that. And during one time, one of the persons who was fasting with me saw this vision. He saw this, that I was standing on before this huge rock wall on a ledge. What I had felt before, but I had never shared with her, with this person. And he saw that. And suddenly he sees that in this wall, you know, like a dam breaks, uh, there was a uh, one like a puncture and water started to trickle from that point. Another place, there was a a small break and the water started to trickle from that point. And three, four points, water started to trickle. And as this water trickled down, it collected at the base and became a stream, which became a river. And from that moment on, and in that prayer, uh, three-day session of teaching, six people took baptism. And we saw that the water began to trickle. And 
progressively from that time. And today, about 30 people, 30 families, not 30 people, but 30 families have come to know the Lord. And it is growing. The Lord is working marvelously. So, uh, I think it is almost time, is it? Uh, I need to wind up. Is that right, Jonathan? That's right, Chandra We don't want to rush you. Um, this has been really amazing. Um, but yeah, if you can, if you can wind up, um, start to wind up yeah. now, that'd be great. Yeah. So, uh, the, the last year, my wife passed away. And, uh, you know, I was, uh, my wife has been right along with me right through this whole journey. And when she passed away, it was a, it was a terrible thing to go through. And one day I was uh, sitting down uh, about a month later and, uh, you know, I was just weeping. And suddenly I felt the Lord sitting next to me. And he put his hand on my shoulder and he said that, uh, you know, uh, during this time I would, I was in deep despair because uh, every time I would think of her, the moments that we had spent together, and there would be a deep sense of loss. That these moments are gone forever. That you know they are lost forever. And suddenly, that moment, that day, the Lord said one thing. He said, "You know, I brought you together. That's another story. How He brought us together. Um, but I brought you together." And you shared these moments of love. They, I was with you during those moments. And I'm with you now. And, you know, these moments of love that you shared are only samples of the beauty that you're going to be sharing for all eternity. And in that moment, my grief turned to gratitude. And when I thought of my wife, I, the moments that I had spent with her, I was filled with gratitude instead of grief and sorrow. That I, I was thankful that, Lord, that you have given us this time to share these moments, which are a sample of the beauty that we are going to be sharing for all eternity. And at that moment, God said one thing that now I want you to want you exclusively for myself. And I want you to make that statement again to me, what you made in 1977, when I first revealed myself to you, that I will do what you want me to do and go where you want me to go. Because, and then after that, the Lord has opened up doors, you know, uh, for 40 years, I have never been asked to give my testimony. It was only after the death of my wife in, in November last year, that first time I was asked to give my testimony. And after that, the Lord has opened many doors. And uh, in fact, what, we are, what the Lord has put on my heart is now to preach the naked gospel, pure gospel. That is what is needed. So what the Lord has opened up and what the Lord has put on my heart and uh, some of my brother, uh, two of my other brothers who are in the Lord, that every week we are uh, speaking on Zoom to a group of pastors in Maharashtra and Madhya Pradesh. And on various like what is the gospel of the the gospel and forgiveness and what the Lord is moving 
might right up the nation India. But people who are not a part of the traditional church, like a Chandrakant, we're getting um, we're getting interrupted. <clears throat> we're not getting clean sound right now. <clears throat> I don't know if there's anything on your end. Try again. No, it's um, it's it's not coming through clearly. Okay, that means Can you hear me now? We can hear you now, yep. Anyway, so uh, uh, this group of 500 gypsies came to know the Lord. All of them. Like that, there are a number of groups who are who have come to know the Lord, but who are outside the church. And what the Lord has put on our hearts is that they need teaching. And so uh, that is. Uh, so my prayer is for the people here that they will know the presence of God in their lives. The purpose for which Jesus came was because God wanted. God loved us. God loved them and wanted to have a relationship with them and live amongst them. That reality may be manifested in their life that they will come to know the presence of God. And that is what we want to see happening. That is what our hearts are.